Welcome to City Harvest Sermon Podcast. Coming up is a word from Pastor Sun Ho. Hello. I feel like I have not seen you for a while. <laughs> you know, two Sundays back, I just came back and I remember that I was feeling a little bit under the weather. And I told one of the staff that I would just attend the service, but I would not come on the stage because I was feeling a little bit weak. And on my way to church when I was driving, the verse John 3:16 kept coming into my heart. And I was thinking, it's weird because this is a verse that we all know so well. And it wasn't really a verse that I was meditating at that time. So I didn't think much about it and I continued my journey to church. And when I came to church, the moment praise started, I was so moved by the familiar, tangible presence of God. I remember that I started to weep in the presence of God. And John 3:16 popped up in my heart again. And by the time we entered into worship, I was a mess. You know, I always say to people that the waterproof mascara really has to improve because it doesn't work. Right? I was really in a mess and I know that, you know, I was just like, yeah, looking like a panda. You know, but by then, the verse was burning so deeply in my heart. And I knew that God wanted me to prophesy that word to the church. I know that many of you were not in the Sunday service, so I decided to ask the video crew to take out that segment for you to actually watch it because I want you to listen carefully to the Word of God, to what God has to say to us even this evening. Jesus, you are here. Your Spirit is here. Your Spirit of love is here. We so hunger, God, in your heart, in our hearts, in our spirit for you, God. The whole of this morning, I just kept being reminded of the verse that we know so well. Perhaps sometimes even take it for granted. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave us His only begotten Son, that whoever, as in you and I, will believe in Him, we will never perish but of everlasting life. But a part of the verse that jumps out this morning to my spirit and my heart is the first part of the verse where it says, For God so loved the world. For God so loved. For God so loved, City Harvest. For God so loved you. For God so loved me. For God so loved us. The reason why we're here this morning, the reason why we can have the courage to start 2018 because of the love of Jesus. That's right. The Spirit of God is here. The Spirit of His presence is here. The Spirit of love is here. For there's no fear in His perfect love. For God so love city habits. For God so love you that you can have the courage to dream again. 
that you can have the courage to lay down the foundation again, that you can have the courage to break through again. For God so loved you, you're not alone. That's right. The Spirit of God is here. Reach out. Reach out to Him. Let His love surround your heart. about to burn within our heart the lyrics of the song says we are here to encounter God the Spirit of God is here to encounter us I want you to just please close your eyes and pause for a moment let these words that you have heard sink into your heart and your spirit For God so loved City Harvest For God so loved you and me That He gave His only begotten Son Jesus to us With eyes closed and head bowed Many of you said that son I know I know that God loves me No my friends I'm not talking about the knowing that's in your head I'm asking you this evening to really internalize what the Spirit of God is showing you and is saying to you right now. Church, what if you truly believed that God so loved you that He has given Jesus to you? That the Father so loved you that He gave what was most precious in His heart to you? How does that make you feel? My friend, if you really grasp that revelation of His love for you this evening, how does it make you look at yourself that the Father loves you? That He has given you Jesus. He can't love you more. 
And because He has given you Jesus, He will not withhold anything that's good for you. My friend, if you really have that revelation, how does that make you look at your life this evening? How does that make you look at your circumstances, your struggles and your challenges? If you truly believe in those words, how would it change you? For God so loved that He gave Jesus to you, my friend. Jesus. Overflowing this place, fill up. With your love, your love surrounds us. You're the reason we came to encounter your love. Your love surrounds us. Please, my friend, Jesus loves you one more time. Open up our eyes. Father, open up our eyes to see how much you love us. Please look at me for now. You know that morning when I stand on that stage, all I felt was the immense love of God. The revelation of how God so loved me that He gave Jesus to me. It gave me so much courage in my heart, so much strength in my soul. You know, that morning, nothing changed in my circumstances, yet everything changed inside of me and that's what I pray this evening while your circumstances might still remain the same for a while that you will feel different because now you truly believe that God so loved you that He gave Jesus to you the revelation of the magnitude of how much, she's, of my, how much God loves me became the motivator for me to want to live out the life that He has destined for me. And no matter how much or how many challenges I need to face ahead of me, it gives me that motivation 
to want to lift out every day for Jesus. You know, church, isn't it so strange that we forget? You know, when we look at John 3, 16, we can write it on and we can just give it to a friend that don't, doesn't know Jesus. And we think that this verse is for someone else, especially someone that doesn't know Jesus. But think for a while. Why is it so strange that after being a Christian, after a while with the pressure of life and struggle sometimes we face, we forget that God so loved us that He gave us Jesus. We are not an orphan. We do not travel on this journey alone. Jesus loves us. The Father loves us. And I think He deserves a big hand clap. He loves you. He so loves you. I know that some of you here in this service, you're battling with cancer and terminal illness. You know, it's so great to know that people are praying for us. But yet there are moments where you feel so alone. And you wonder to yourself, does anyone really, really understand how you feel on the inside? Some of you are fighting battles on every side. For some of you, 2017 has been so challenging. It seems that nothing goes right in your work and everything just goes wrong. You know, and for some others, you're working so hard from morning to night just to keep your business afloat. And what about the rest of you? doing everything that you know, holding your marriage together. But that pain that you face in your marriage and relationship, it feels almost impossible to bear. And you wonder, will this ever end? Yes, the year has ended. But your situation continues. And you already feel breathless even at the start of the year. But friends, this evening, I beckon you to take a moment once again to open up your heart to hear what the Spirit of God has to say to you and I. For God so loved that He gave Jesus to you and I. He loves you. And if you would truly have that revelation, then you can stand fearless in the face of any challenge in life. For He so loved you. And this evening, I pray that you experience the length, the width, the depth, the height of His love for you. A few nights after the encounter, I was reading on my bed and, you know, I was just thinking about the love of God that I encountered that Sunday morning. And yet I couldn't pass that thought of why then all this unending crisis and challenges. I remember how I felt on that stage, but my thought couldn't have a breakthrough. And I was talking to God and I said, God, it has been so long, so long. And in that moment, God started to unfold His Word before me, giving me an understanding of how He worked. And friends, that evening, 
I came out from my bedroom a changed person because what he showed me, which I'm going to share with you in a moment, totally liberated my heart and eliminated every fear that was in me. I want you to look with me at Isaiah 46 verse 10. Isaiah 46 verse 10. I make known, God says, the end from the beginning. From ancient times, what is still to come, I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. God says, I call the end from the beginning. What a beautiful verse. Genesis 50 verse 20. But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. In order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. I believe what God was showing me that night is what he wants to show you today. You know, if you will look with me at Isaiah again, it says, God caused the end from the beginning. And this is what God says, my purpose will stand. I will do all that I please. Church, you hear that? He says that my purpose will stand. It doesn't matter what happened, my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. And you can mean it for evil, but God, it says, man it for good. What is God showing us? What did God show me? God is showing us His providence. Everybody says providence. One more time, providence. I want to give you the definitions of God's providence. Okay, I want you to take a deep breath right now. <sighs> All right, I have to give you the definition of God's providence. Okay, here we go. It says, it's the sovereign, divine, superintendence of all things. Stay with me. Guiding us toward our divinely predetermined end in a way that is consistent with our created nature, all to the glory and praise of God. Okay, Chotamate. I know, I put up the emoji here for you because most of you are like seeing stars and that eclipse and that moon. You're like, OMG, what is she talking about? Is she speaking in tongues right now? Well, friends, if you are about to switch off, Please don't, because today's sermon is not on theology. Don't worry about that. Let me simplify for you. When we talk about God's providence, what do we mean or what do I mean? It simply means, let me give you a simplified definition. It simply means God works His own ends. Everybody say, God works His own ends. I think you can do better than that. God works His own ends. So what do I mean by saying that God works His own ends? It means that no matter what people do to you, no matter what life throws at you, God will bring about His intended end in your life and in my life. When I say that God works His own ends, it means that no matter what people do to you, no matter what life throws at you, God will bring about His intended end in your life. You know, I know that some of you are rubbing your hands right now and say, oh, hooray. So, I can do anything I want, right, son? You know, because no matter how I messed up, God's intended plan will just happen in my life, right? Not really, right? Because in order for you and I to be in God's intended plan, there's one thing 
that God requires us to do, and that is to keep Him in the center of our lives, even when the situation gets tough, especially when the situation gets tough. In Hebrews chapter 6, if you look at me, look with me at verse 14, it says, He said, I promise that I will bless you with everything I have, God says. Bless and bless and bless. We say, wow, this is a fantastic verse, a verse for Chinese New Year. What a, what a, what a. Bless, bless, bless. We love verses like that. You know, we love verses like that for the beginning of the year because we want to feel blessed, right? But look at verse 15. The Bible says that Abraham got everything that had been promised to him, but with one condition. He stuck it out. He stuck it out. What God intends to happen will ultimately happen if you and I will stick it out. Or what Pastor Bobby says, stay in our garden of Gethsemane. My friends, that's the assurance you, can I, you and I can have if we keep close to God and not give up. His intended plan will happen in your life and my life. Today, let me take you back in time to a scene in the Bible in Genesis chapter 15. Are you ready for a little bit of a story? Yes, yes? You know, Genesis chapter 50 opens up with 11 men. It says that 11 downcast faces stared anxiously at the floor. With their eyes on the ground silently, they knelt before the man that had authority to execute them. Joseph, the prime minister of Egypt, looked down on this 11 men, this man who had given him vivid memories of pain and rejection, this man who had wronged him in unthinkable ways. See, now the tables were turned. With a word, the Bible says that he could have sentenced them to death. But is that what Joseph is going to do to his 11 brothers? This was a scene found in the last chapter of Genesis, Genesis 50. Today, I want to take you through the story of Joseph in the Bible. And I hope that you will find encouragement in the journey of his life. You know, Joseph's life is full of ups and downs like many of us. But of course, he's a little bit dramatic, right? You know, but if you will look carefully in the pages of the Scriptures, you see that his life was marked by the providence of God. Everybody say providence again. Providence. providence. Joseph's life was marked by the providence of God. What is the providence of God? That is God calling him his own ends. That is no matter what people do to you, no matter what situation throws at you, God's intended plan, intended end will always be fulfilled in your life. So when you look at Joseph's life, you will see a life that is full of up and downs, favor was gained at first, and then favor lost, and then favor was regained. Let me say it again, and that's the title of my message today. Favor gained, favor lost, and favor regained. Genesis 37, verse 3. Now Israel, of whom we know better as Jacob, now Jacob loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic of many colors. 
So the story starts right now, okay? The Bible tells us that young Joseph was loved and favoured by his father. And one day, Jacob gave Joseph a tunic of many colours, a robe. And that's where the problem starts, really. Because it's one thing to choose one out of the 12 children to be your favourite. It's quite another to clothe him with a robe that shouts favoritism 24-7. And that's what Jacob did. And Joseph wore that robe proudly that his father gave him. And when his father loved and favoured him, Joseph's brothers were jealous of him and they hated him, the Bible says. And to make matters worse, Joseph was a dreamer. The Bible says that he had many dreams from God. In Genesis 37 verse 6, one day he meets up with his brothers and he told them one of the dreams that God has given to him. Can you imagine he came to his brother and said, bro, bro, you won't believe it. I have another dream again. Oh, this dream was so awesome, bro. You know, I dream of us binding bundles of grain in the field. And suddenly, my bundle of grain stood up straight. And you know what? It's so awesome. All your bundle of grains bowed down to me. Whoa! Cool, right? Cool, right, bro? I don't know why Joseph did that. I don't know. Maybe a little bit flew into his head. But his brothers, the Bible said, were furious and said, Joseph, you young punk, are you saying that you're going to reign over us? Is that what you're saying? Are you saying that we're going to bow down to you, Joseph? Is that what you're saying? So they hated him even more because of his dreams and wanted to get rid of him. One day, that opportunity came. The Bible says that while they were at a, a place called Dotham, Jacob sent Joseph once again to spies on his brothers to check on them. All right, that is his professional job. Go check on your brothers to see whether they are working or not. So when his brothers saw him from a distance, the Bible says that they plotted to kill him and to throw him into one of the pits. That's what they wanted to do. You know, I can imagine they gathered together and said, see, here comes the zi He's coming. Coming to look at us, see what we are doing, and to go back and report to his beloved father what we have done wrong. See, why don't we get rid of this fly in our face? We have always wanted to do that. You know, why don't we just get rid of him? This is our chance. He's far away from dad. He's with us now. Let's kill him and throw him into the pit. That's what the Bible said. You know, and in Genesis 37 verse 26, Judah, one of Joseph's brother, said, you know what? I was thinking about our grand scheme. It's pretty good. But we missed out one thing. You know, we didn't make profit out of it. Since we're going to kill him, and we're going to come up with this big story and tell that, that he is being devoured by some wild beast, you know, in the wilderness, why don't we just sell him to the Ishmaelites? You know, let's make some money out of it. Huh? Don't you think it's a good idea? So, the Bible says that they sold Joseph as a slave to the Ishmaelites. In Genesis 42, the Word of God showed us that Joseph pleaded with his brother or with his brothers. You know, I can imagine the fear that was on his face 
that gripped his heart and said, please, brothers, please don't send me away. Please don't sell me away. Please don't do this to me. I'm sorry. I promise you, I will never tell you again of another dream. You know, your bundle of grain don't need to bow down to mine. I'm so, so sorry. You know, just don't sell me away. But the word of God says that the brothers ignored him and he was sold as a slave. Can you imagine what went through his mind? How can this happen to me, God? I'm doing what my father asked me to do. You know, how, how could you let this happen? God, how can you let this happen in my life? And how does that fit into all the dreams that you have given to me, God? Look at my brothers. I, I, are they going to bow down to me now? Well, for sure they're not. They've just sold me as a slave. My friends, Joseph couldn't see it at that time, but there was purpose in his suffering. I want to say it again. Joseph couldn't see it at that time, but there was purpose in his suffering. Go with me to the next scene in Genesis 39. So Joseph was taken down to Egypt, where he was sold as a slave to Potiphar, a chief servant of Pharaoh. Very important man, the chief servant of Pharaoh, Potiphar. But church, the providence of God was still working in his life. Look with me at verse 2, Genesis 39. The Lord was with Joseph. That's how it started. You know, so even in a period of favor lost, as a slave he was sold, yet the Lord was with him, the Bible said, and he was a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian, and his master saw that the Lord was with him, and the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house, and all that he had, he put it under his authority. So Joseph quickly rose to prominence in part of his house. Even as a slave, he rose to his potential. Joseph was so capable and trustworthy that his master put everything, all his possessions under his care. Even in a time of favor lasts, can you see the progression in Joseph's life? You know, as a boy, he merely reported to his father about his brothers. But now, in a time of favor lost, he was directing or directly managing his master's resources and people. Even in a time where favor was lost, God's providence was seen so clearly in Joseph's life. God has an intended end for Joseph. And as, as long as Joseph would stay close to God and stay true to God, what God purposes to happen in Joseph's life will happen. Amen? And that's what God intends to do. You know, go with me, continue to look at Genesis 39 because the plot continues to thicken. So, here in 39 verse 8 and 9, you see that Potiphar has a wife, right? Potiphar's wife begins to notice Joseph. Can you imagine she's standing at the corner of a house looking at this new slave, young man, so clever, so full of wisdom, so buff. So handsome. You know, and the Bible says that she likes what she sees. So can you imagine she stood there and she said, I lied. You know, she likes what she saw. And she insisted that Joseph sleeps with her 
But thank goodness, Joseph refused to do that. However, one day, when there was no one around, when Joseph was alone in the house, OMG, she, the Bible say, caught him by his garment. How aggressive and desperate a woman can be. She caught him by his garment, and in the tussle, he left his garment in, his, in her hand and fled outside. Man. Maybe his back has all those, you know, claw marks. And when she saw that she couldn't get what she wanted, her sensual desires immediately turned into rage. And she shouted to other servants and accused Joseph of rape. So now you can imagine Joseph once again being thrown into the prison cell. He must be shouting in his head and say, God, why is this happening again and again and again? I was faithful to my father, and then I end up being sold as a slave. Now I'm faithful to my master. I refuse to sleep with his wife, and I'm being lied about by his crazy wife. This woman took my robe, and I get thrown into this prison cell. You know, while in prison, Genesis 40, it says that one day, Pharaoh's cupbearer, and chief baker was also thrown into the prison. See, God's providence is working, people. God's providence is working. It doesn't matter what people do to you. It doesn't matter what life throws at you. God's intended end will always come to pass if you always have God in your heart. Oh my God, what great news is that? God's providence, it's working. The Bible says that in prison, the cupbearer and the baker, each man had a dream so troubling that when they got up, they were still upset. So they went to Joseph and said, can you interpret our dreams for us? And I won't go through the whole story, but the gist of it was, Joseph correctly interpreted their dreams. And it, it came to pass that the cupbearer was restored to his position in the palace while the baker was hung. Very dramatic, right? You know, even in this in the interpretation of dreams, it's very dramatic. You know, Joseph's life is just really mugged, you know, by drama. You know, after interpreting the cupbearer's dream, Joseph asked the cupbearer in verse 40 in chapter 40, he says, but remember me when it is well with you. Please show kindness to me. Make mention of me to Pharaoh, please, and get me out of this house. That's a simple request, right, City Harvest? You know, I've done you this favor. You know, please, you know, when you get out there, you know, being restored to your position, you will see that what I said to you is true. Please remember me. Just get me out of this place. But as you can expect, the cup bearer didn't remember Joseph's request. He totally forgot about Joseph, the friend from the prison. So for the next two years, Joseph was stuck in that prison, again being let down. But God had not forgotten about him. God has not forgotten about Joseph. A time came in Genesis 41. I love Genesis 41. A time came in Genesis 41 when Pharaoh was deeply troubled by his dreams and none of his magicians, the Bible says, and wise men could interpret that dream. And guess who knows a man that can accurately interpret dreams? The cupbearer. Suddenly, he was jogged of his memory. Oh, Pharaoh, there was this man in the prison. His name is Joseph. 
You see, God's plan for Joseph was coming together exactly how he has intended. By now, Joseph was brought before Pharaoh. Genesis 41, verse 17. So now, Pharaoh was telling everyone, including Joseph, his dream. Behold, in my dream, I stood on the bank of the river. Suddenly, seven cows came up out of the river, fine-looking and fat. Then behold, seven other cows came up after them, poor and very ugly and gaunt. And the gaunt and ugly cows ate up the first seven, the fat cows. Also, I saw in my dreams, and suddenly seven heads came up on one stalk, full and good. Then behold, seven heads withered, thin and blighted by the east wind, sprang up after them, and the thin heads devoured the seven good heads. So I told this to the magicians, but there was no one who could interpret my dream or explain it to me. After Pharaoh recounted his dream, God revealed the meaning of the dream through Joseph. And to cut a very long story or very long dream short, you know, Joseph said that there's going to be, Pharaoh, there's going to be seven years of plenty followed by seven years of famine. Seven years of plenty followed by seven years of famine. And at that moment, Joseph was also given the opportunity to advise Pharaoh to select a man with administrative and management skills who would organize the storage effort. You know, and I want, to, I want you to see, this is the beginning of Joseph's favor regained. Because look at what Pharaoh said in verse 38, chapter 41. Pharaoh said, can you find a man or a one as this, a man in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning, as wise as you. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Church, it's stunning, isn't it? It's so stunning because in the morning, Joseph awakens in the prison, and by the evening, he goes to bed in a palace. The providence of God. Favor regained. Favor gained, favor lost, favor regained. 13 years ago, he came to Egypt as a slave. And 30 years later, he's now the second most powerful man in Egypt. Back to the story that I started with at the beginning, the 11 brothers. When the 11 brothers came before Joseph, at a point, their father Jacob had just died. The brothers wondered to themselves, will Joseph take revenge now that the father is gone? You know, and they said to themselves, you know, for all that we have done to him, will he now take revenge? So they braced themselves for the worst. Can you imagine in your mind's eyes with me one more time? Eleven downcast faces, staring on the ground, waiting silently, knowing that the man that's standing in front of them has all authority to execute them. When the silence finally broke, it turns out that it's not anger. It's not hostility. It's not threats. Rather, it is the sound of Joseph's crying and weeping. And one by one, Joseph's brother lift up their heads and look at Joseph. And with a forgiving smile on his face, 
With tears streaming down his face, Joseph said what he said in Genesis 50, verse 19. Please look with me again. Do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? For as for you, you meant it evil against me, but God meant it for good. There was no vengeance. There was no hatred in his heart. Joseph treated his brothers with mercy and kindness. And my question today is, how does kindness, love, mercy, and grace become cultivated in the heart of one who has been so wickedly mistreated? How does that happen? This man, since he was a young boy, so as a slave, again and again being abused, let down, forgotten by people. The answer is found in Joseph's understanding of God's providence. The answer is found in his understanding of God's providence. My friend, this evening, if you have not heard the word that I say, you have to listen up now. God's providence, no matter what men do to you, no matter what life throws at you, God's intended plan will come to pass because you need to know that God is in control of your life. All you need to do is to stay close to Him when the going gets tough. And He will make sure His intended end will ultimately come to pass for you and for me. Look at God's providence in Joseph's life. If his brother didn't sell him or had not sold him into slavery, he would not have been brought down to Egypt. If Potiphar had not purchased him from the slave market, he would not have gained the experience he needed to manage people and resources. If he had not been falsely accused by the mad woman Potiphar's wife, and sent to prison, he would not have interpreted the cupbearer's dream. Can you see that? If that had not happened, he would not have been summoned by Pharaoh when no one could interpret Pharaoh's dream. And if he had not had the opportunity to accurately interpret Pharaoh's dream, he would not have become the prime minister of Egypt. Can you see that? God had been in all the sins of Joseph's life to bring him to this one moment when Joseph would be ready to organize a national food drive, saving millions from starvation. The providence of God, the intended plan of God. God is always in control. God is always in control. God is always in control. And friends, like Joseph, as a church, we may feel that we had a season where favour was gained. In the past, it seems like anything our hand touch prosper. Every week, our altar call will be filled with people. We had so much favour before man and before God. And then we went through a season where favour was lost. But can I tell you, with God's providence, favor will be regained in City Harvest Church. Favor will be regained. Because for God so loved, for God so loved you, City Harvest, favor will be regained. 
We may not always understand what is happening around us, but like Joseph, we can be confident of this one thing, that God is not only in control, but He will also ultimately bring about His intended plans in your life and my life. I want to show you a verse that I thought is so awesome. Isaiah 14, verse 27, it says, No one can oppose His will, and nothing can twerk His plans. No one, no one can oppose His will, and nothing can twerk His plans. Genesis 50, verse 19 again, Do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. In order to bring it about at as it is today, to save many people alive. Friends, what is God saying to us? Look at the big picture. Look at the big pictures. Unless we see the big picture of what God is doing, sometimes through the difficulties of life, the suffering and even pain, we will miss the profound and foundational truth that God is using all of this for our ultimate good and for His glory. God is doing that. God is doing that. Nothing in our life is wasted. Just like God had a plan for the world. And in order to fulfill that plan for the world, God has a plan for the nation Israel. And in order to fulfill the plan for the nation Israel, God has a plan for Joseph. And can I say to you, church, God has a plan for this end time harvest. God has a plan for this end time harvest. And in order to fulfill that plan, God has a plan for the nation of Singapore. And in order to fulfill that plan for the nation of Singapore, God has a plan for City Harvest Church. And in order to fulfill the plan for City Harvest Church, God has a plan for you and for me. Come on. Come on. The providence of God. Look at the big picture. City Harvest, look at the big picture. God is in control. God wants us to see things, my friends, not as they are, but as they could be because we serve a powerful and a supernatural God whose providence is always, always, always working in our life. You know, my fear is, City Harvest, I have this one fear. My fear is that many of us are just looking and seeing our reality. Things that are around us. If all you see is what is around you, it will mess you up. Because our reality is full of so much limitation. Pain. Restriction and possibilities. We will end up managing our earthly reality when there's actually a supernatural potential all around us. Look again. Pitch it higher this time. My friend, pitch it higher. Look through the eyes of Jesus. In the beginning of the service, you heard the word of God, for God so loved you. I need you to walk different. Not because of the degree that you just got. I need you to feel different. I need you to think 
different. Because for God so loved, He so loved us. He so loved you, and His providence is always working in your life and my life. It doesn't matter whether you are you in a situation where you feel like favor is lost. I tell you, if you just stick it out with God, His intended plan will ultimately come into your life. Jesus. As we close the meeting, I can't help but to see the parallel between the life of Joseph and Jesus. The Bible says that Joseph was loved by his father, a shepherd of his father's sheep, hated by his brothers, stripped of his clothing by the mad woman, condemned with criminals, yet he was later delivered and promoted. From the Bible, we know that Jesus was loved by Father God, a shepherd of his father's sheep. He's our chief shepherd. Hated by the religious leaders, stripped of his clothing, condemned with criminals, crucified. But not only was Jesus crucified, died, and was buried, the Word of God tells us that he ultimately rose again. But on that cross, there was an emotional scene where I often think about Matthew 27, verse 46. Jesus on that cross shouted, Eli, Eli, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My friends, do you see that even the pain of the Father's silence was part of Jesus' destiny. Even the pain of the Father's silence was part of Jesus' destiny. And I'm asking you this evening not to be afraid. Some of you feel like you are in your valley experience. I have people come to me and say, I can't hear. What do I do? I can't hear anything. I'm afraid. My friends, even in this silence, it is part of your destiny. Don't you be afraid. His providence is working in your life. His providence is holding you. His intended end will ultimately be fulfilled in your life. Don't you be afraid, for God so loved you. And don't you be discouraged and don't you give up on me now. Because no one can oppose God's will and nothing can twerk His plan. Jeremiah 29 verse 11 that we know so well. God said, for I know the plans that I have for you. God has an intended plan for us. He says, I have plans for you. I have plans for you, City Harvest. I have plans for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plan to give you a hope and a future. My friends, and nothing, nothing can twerk His plan. You and I just need to stick it out. 
We just need to keep God in the center of our lives. Don't be afraid. Don't get bitter. Don't misunderstood. It is not these people. They can mean it for evil, but God has always meant it for good. His hand is upon you and me, and His providence will ensure that our favor be regained. Just why don't we just all stand on our feet right now? I don't have a long message, but I want you to really open up your hearts because the take back or the take away of this message is for God so loved. Please, my friend, don't forget. I know you have your challenges. I know you have your valley experience. I know you're battling with that sickness. But His providence is working. It is working even right now in your life. Look at the big picture. Don't give up on me now. That's right. Just open up your heart. Open up your mouth right now. Receive the love of God. Let His love rain down. Rain down on you right now. Let His love surround you, saturate you. Have this knowledge, have this revelation that He so loves you, my friend. You're going to walk different. You're going to think different. You're going to speak different. You're going to act different. You're going to think so differently. For God so loves you. For God so loves you. It doesn't make sense We'll never call
with eyes closed and head bowed. Friends, if you didn't hear anything, please hear this. For God so loved you that he gave Jesus to you. No, he didn't just give Jesus to your friend. He gave Jesus to you. Please pause. Pause for a while. Look at your life again. Let that revelation blow up in your heart. Because if you truly believe that He loves you, fear can never stand. What is there to be afraid about? In good times, in bad times, in time of favor gained, in time of favor lost, His providence, it's always there, covering you. You know, understanding God's providence won't take our trial away. but it enables us to find joy and peace in the midst of it. That day when I stood on the stage, nothing changed in my circumstances, but yet everything changed. And that's what God wants to do to you. This evening, felt the Spirit of God telling me to pray for those of you. Perhaps feel so pressured when you hear messages in the beginning of the year when everybody is talking about setting goals and having visions and all you could think about is, I can't breathe. God, I can't breathe. Yes, 2017 has ended, but my problem hasn't. intended end will ultimately come to pass if you just stick it out. Lay hold of him as he has laid hold of you. Don't you give up right now. So those of you that will say, son, you're talking about me. I'm in a time when I feel like I'm in favor lost. I'm in my valley experience. I don't know, I need, I need to have the revelation of God's love. I need to have the revelation of God's providence. I need to have that breakthrough in my mind. My friend, if that's you, I want you to come to the front. When you come to the front, the pastors and I, we will pray for you. I want to believe that this evening, there'll be a paradigm shift. The revelation of God, fear that's in your heart. So if that's you, just come to the front. If you say, son, that's me, you're talking about me. I need the revelation of God's love. I'm in a time 
where favor is lost. I need someone to lay hands on me. I need to have the injection of faith. Then you come to the front because the pastors and I, we are here to pray with you, to pray for you. And I believe that where faith comes in, the substance of faith is going to weigh within your heart and it's going to expel out every fear. That heaviness that you've been carrying over from 2017 is going to dissipate this evening. So you come, you come. Continue to worship God. Pitch higher. Look to Him. Look to Him. standing on the aisle, standing in the front. Father, in the name of Jesus. God, let your revelation, the revelation of your love come into your heart and the spirit. Let your word, for God so loved that he gave his only begotten son to them. Lord, let it come. Let it burn within the heart and the spirit. This evening, Lord, for so many of them, they're struggling and battling with fear. In the name of Jesus, this evening, oh God, I come on every spirit of fear to be cast out from their life right now. For your perfect love, cast out all fear. In the name of Jesus Christ, right now, sanctuary them. Fill them to the brim of your love, oh God. Pastors, just go ahead and pray for them right now. Lead us. Pray for them. Help me. Lay hands and pray for them right now.
Give me a revelation of your love toward me. Father, let me see the providence of you in my life. Father, let your perfect love cast off fears in my heart. This evening, I surrender my heart to you. surrender my life to you father I make a commitment to you then in 2018 that I will fall deeper and deeper in love with you so open up my eyes to see the revelation of your heart towards me Seal that work of the Holy Spirit in my heart this evening. I commit my life to you, God. In Jesus' name. And everybody say, give Jesus a big hand. amazing you know I mean just thank you for just staying back and worshiping so beautifully and to really stand in the gap for those that are receiving ministry I want you to really walk out of this place walk different talk different think different because of the love of God towards you and because of the providence of God in your life all you need to do is to stay close to him have God in your heart and the plans of God will ultimately be fulfilled in your life. One more time, give Jesus one more big hand. And the meeting has ended. The fellowship has just begun. Bless somebody. Let's start the year right, all right? God loves us. We are His chosen people. Amen. Amen. And that's the end of this week's podcast. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Email us at connect at chc.org.sg 